Welcome to Bible Thinker, the program dedicated to thinking biblically about everything. I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and today you'll hear a teaching of mine called The Bible for Beginners, where you're going to get an overview of the 66 books of the Bible, and here's some pro tips for how to understand the Bible more accurately. This is a lot of trivia type information about the Bible that helps put everything into perspective and gives a person the ability to get more out of the Bible when they read it. And this is also the first episode of Bible Thinker on podcast. While today I'm dealing with really basic Bible stuff, I will be going into very deep theology and apologetics in future episodes, handling important issues and controversial issues and seeking to think biblically about everything. All right, without further delay, here is the Bible for Beginners. There are so many people who open the Bible and say things like, I really don't understand this, and then they close it. Or they say, I just don't know where to start. There are people who maybe have not had that biblical knowledge. Maybe they've gotten saved, but then they've never really delved into the scriptures deeply. Maybe they even have a religious background, years and years of a religious background, but not a biblical background, not a grounding in the word of God. There are people who, some some of them maybe even veteran Christians, Christians for years, decades even, who actually don't know much about the Bible. They don't know what it says about different topics in their own personal life. And you hear them say sometimes things like, well, somewhere in the book it says something like, and I've heard that a lot, as probably you have too. Like, so, that's in the Bible somewhere. And unfortunately, sometimes when I hear people say that, they follow it by a phrase that is actually not in the Bible anywhere. I recently heard someone say to me, well, somewhere in the Bible it says, don't let anyone steal your joy. And so I was like, well, you know... Um, Jesus did say that he gives us his joy, not as the world gives to us. But I didn't want to say, but no, you just misquoted the Bible. It doesn't actually have that phrase in there. I, I, you know, I've, I've read it, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not really familiar with that. It doesn't say God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> There's a lot of things out there that, that the Bible doesn't say. But do you know what those things are? Are you maybe one of those people? Um, I mean, there are some things that you should know that I think will help you out. This, this study, I'm going to call it the Bible for Beginners. And now I know, we are, I'm friends with many of you out here. I know you're veteran Christians who do know the Bible. So this is going to be, in a sense, under your head. Right? You're, you're going to be like, I already know that, I already know that. I already. But what I want to encourage you to do is take what you can from what I'm sharing and store it up as sort of a spiel that you can give later to somebody else who doesn't know the scriptures. Because if you go right into how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law, and they're like, what's a testament? You know, then maybe you need to give them the Bible for beginners instead of getting into Ezekiel talking about the reforming of Israel. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about the... Um, Uh, The Bible for Beginners, this message is directed towards those who have little to no biblical knowledge. Why? Because this book is essential for us to grow in Christ and for us to be even safe in this world and in the next. So without further ado, here's the Bible for Beginners. The Bible, the word itself, Bible, actually means book, right? If you know Spanish, you probably knew that already, right? Because what's the Spanish word for book? 
It's blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, it's called the Bible because literally when you say the name of it, you're calling it the book. As in there are many books, but this is the book. Like the ultimate book. It's not in a category with any other book. Like I have this weird thing I do, right? Like if I have my Bible sitting there and I have other books I'm using to maybe study the Bible and I'm going to put one down and I'm about to put it on top of the Bible, I'm like, ah, and I switch them. <laughs> it's a kind of weird thing to do, but, but it's the book. You don't, you don't just, you know, you don't just do that with the book. Well, that's what the word means. It means the book, but actually it's not just one book. It's a compilation of 66 different books. Or maybe more accurately, I should call them documents. That's why I told you turn to the book of Psalms. Because there's one document or book that's called Psalms in the middle of your Bible. It's one of those 66 different books. It was written by over 40 different people. Mostly men. But some parts were actually written by women. And they're good, too. Sorry, I just did that for my wife. <coughs> Excuse me. There's different genres in the Bible. There's poetry, there's history, there's prophecy. Genre means like a different writing style. Have you ever uh, written something, you know, you, you send someone a, a text or something on a Facebook and it's, it's a joke. It's a sarcastic joke. You don't mean it at all and someone takes it totally seriously. People do that with the Bible sometimes and it's dangerous. <laughs> well, the Bible has these different genres, different authors, different books. It covers a massive amount of time. In fact, it covers more time in the topics of the Bible than any other book in the world that, I, that I've ever heard of. It covers time from the creation of the universe until the recreation of a new heaven and a new earth in our future, which will happen in about 12 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Seven years and 12 minutes. <laughs> seven, okay, seven years, a thousand years and 12 minutes for those of you that are actually shaking your head at me right now. So it covers a massive amount of time, and the Bible itself, and this is really important for the beginners, the Bible itself is, is what we call a progressive revelation, meaning that in the scriptures, you're actually finding a, uh, an overarching theme or story that's being told and developed and getting more and more detail and more and more detail until it comes to a, a climax in the appearance of Christ and an ultimate ending, and a never, it, it is the true never-ending story, and, uh, in Revelation. So this progressive revelation, this overarching theme, it's about Jesus and how he saves us. That's what the Bible's actually about. That's, if you could summarize the 66 books, what are they saying? It's about Jesus and how he saves us. That's what it's about. I like to think about it like this. You ever watch a TV show and they have, they have, because I like these shows where there's this sort of like mystery hanging over the lead characters, you know? And what you have is you have, in one episode of the show, you'll have the, the sort of story of that episode. You know, they're, they're trying to, to stop this bad guy and save this person over here. But you also have sort of the, the, the overarching story that's playing out as they're discovering more about their actual past, who their dad is, or something like that, right? You know what I mean? And you have these two different stories going on at the same time. And what you'll notice if you pay attention is in these shows... The story about saving this person from the bad guy is somehow a little picture of what the main character is going through in this season or in the overall story of the show. Well, that's kind of what you see in the scriptures. You see each book is really ultimately about Jesus Christ and him saving us. Now, the Bible is actually in two major sections. 
It has the Old Testament and it has the New Testament. That word testament means like a covenant or a promise or a contract, an oath, if you will, a pinky promise. Okay, the Old Testament is not the one that we live under, but we refer to these books, Genesis through Malachi, as being the Old Testament because they were written before Jesus. The New Testament or the New Covenant or New Promise is all the books that were written after Jesus came. The Old Testament was done and completed by 400 BC. That means the youngest book in the Old Testament is 2,400 years old. Right? Steve, that's old, right? Steve knows. Steve knows. He's, he's 2,400 years old just, just this year. Just this year. Good job, Steve. So the Old Testament was totally finished 400 years before Jesus showed up. So here's something that, that might seem like under the radar to some people, but hopefully it helps somebody here. You will never see Jesus of Nazareth like walking around with his disciples in the Old Testament books because he hadn't showed up yet on the scene. You'll see, other, you'll see Jesus in other ways, but not like that. It was written mostly to Jews. The Old Testament almost entirely is concerned with Israel and the Jewish people. So there's one nation you need to be familiar with if you want to read the Bible and understand the Old Testament, and it's Israel. Why are Christians so interested in Israel? Because the Bible is so interested in Israel. Why is Israel so interesting? Because Jesus came from Israel. Israel, in a sense, is the mom that delivers the baby Jesus. And so we see Israel going through the labor pains and the difficulties and the struggles and all of the things that, that, that lead to Christ. So that means that when you read the Old Testament, you can't just read it and do it. Did you catch that? You can't just read it and do it because when you read a law that was given to Israel and you go, whoa, it says here you can't wear two different kinds of clothing like polyester and cotton in the same shirt. We got we to gotta sell all our clothes and buy new ones. Why, why is that not applying to me? Because God never said, all people on the world do this. It was like, Israel, I want you to do this for this time for a specific reason. So instead, you learn from that and go, what was God teaching us there? Well, he's teaching us he doesn't want us to be double-minded. He doesn't want us to be mixed with the world. And there's some cool things we learn from that. So I read it and think about what I learned from it and from Israel, and then I do that thing. So I get the principles of the Old Testament and I obey them. So studying the Old Testament takes more skill, to be honest, than studying the New Testament, which is more just direct commands to us as Christians. I think that's a really important principle. I think that's something that, that people don't understand a lot. When you go online and you see the, the, uh, the criticisms of the Bible, a lot of them are people who haven't understood the difference between the Old and New Testaments. So that's just, just food for thought there. Now, the Old Testament has the expectation of Christ. There's, there's, there's this in, incredible, you might say, desperation for Christ. There's the preparation for Christ, the foreshadowing and the prophesying of Christ. It's all, it's all about looking forward to this, to this Savior, this Messiah that will show up and save us and deliver us from our sins and bring us an everlasting kingdom. That's the Old Testament. It's all about this anticipation. So you have to read the Old Testament looking forward to Jesus and seeing that in there to understand it. Now, the New Testament was written after Jesus died. Now, it, it has you know, t you know, stuff that happened during his life, but it was actually written down after he passed and 
rose again, by the way, very important, and, and went to heaven and ascended. The New Testament has 27 books, and they were all finished being written by 100 AD, at the latest, probably a lot earlier than that, actually. But they were all finished having been written, the entire New Testament. So the New Testament was written in this very short period of time. Old Testament was written kind of in a long period of time. Now, the New Testament is, I think, easier to read as a Christian. It's more directly given straight to you. Um, and I think it's fair for us as believers to spend a little bit more time on the New Testament than we do on the Old Testament. And as I go on, hopefully that'll make more sense to you. I'm not devaluing the Old Testament. It's absolutely 100% God's word. And we need to read it and study it and learn it. But, um, but hopefully it'll make more sense. As I continue, you'll understand that. If, you've, if, you're, if you're thinking like, paha, Old Testament, old, old is you, I'm not, then you're getting the wrong message. So now I'm going to give you guys an outline of the Old Testament. So for you note takers, you're going to enjoy this. I'm going to talk to you about the, the composition of the Old Testament. Why? Because when you open the Bible, you know what's cool? When you have an outline in your brain of the Bible, you flip open to a book and you go, oh, 2 Samuel. And you plug it into a certain timeline of events in the history of Israel. And it makes sense. And all of a sudden, that passage that was just like, I don't get it, it, it clicks and you understand. And you know then hopefully how to apply it into your life and your family and your following of Jesus Christ today. So the Old Testament has, in the beginning, what we call historical books. Genesis all the way through Esther, the first 17 books of the Old Testament are mostly historical in their context. A historical book means it's recording actual lives being played out in history in the past. As opposed to, say, a teaching book, which might be like, um, like, the, uh, like First Peter, where he's just saying, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. That's just a teaching book. He's not relaying a story. Well, the Old Testament has this wonderful historical section, uh, Genesis through Esther, 17 books. And it tells us about creation, sin, the fall, the flood. And speaking of Genesis here, in Genesis alone, we learn about creation, sin, and how man is sinful, uh, the fall, that's the fall of man. The flood, the destruction of si the sinful world. Um, then in chapter 12 of Genesis, you get to the first, like, well, the most important guy you see since Adam in the Bible. And his name is Abraham. And from Genesis 12 all the way through the, the whole Old Testament, the Bible is concerned with this guy's descendants, with him and his kids all the way through. So it's very important to just kind of highlight Abraham. You'll meet other people, but most of them come and go. But we're following this timeline. Why? Because we're, we're sort of taking the long route to Jesus. And guess who Jesus is a descendant of? Abraham. <coughs> so we learn about Abraham. We learn about how he multiplies, how he has kids and his kids have kids. And then in the book of Exodus... That book is, in fact, it even sounds like you're exiting, like you're leaving something. Ex Exodus, I'm exiting. It's almost like Israel's going, exit us, Lord, exit us out of Egypt. Because Israel, the people, the descendants of Abraham, now they have a lot of them. There's, there's over a million. And they're in Egypt as slaves. And Exodus is the story of God pulling his people from slaves and turning them into a nation. He gives them a new set of laws, a new set of rules, tells them how to live. He, he, that, we call that being sanctified, man. He washes the world off of them and shows them how to live. 
in Leviticus. Well, Leviticus is the, dealing with the priesthood that God sets up for Israel in detail. This is a more challenging book to, to, to study. I mean, you get Genesis, Exodus. When you hit Leviticus, you're going to have a more challenging book on your hands because really the, the priesthood details in Leviticus are dealing with these foreshadowings and these pictures of Jesus that take time to unravel. And it's a worthwhile book to study. In, in uh, the class I'm doing for the school ministry, Jesus in the Old Testament, part one, we, we went through Leviticus and talked about the details. And it, it's, it, it's very exciting stuff. But it takes some labor to understand that stuff. Um, in Numbers, we see Israel spending 40 years after they've left Egypt wandering through the wilderness. Numbers takes about 40 years It sounds like a boring book, Numbers, right? The Jews used to call it the wilderness. That sounds more cool. We call it Numbers. I don't know. It's like an accountant named the books of the Bible or something. Uh, Deuteronomy is the next book, and that is uh, the giving of the law to the next generation. And so you see, through Genesis to Deuteronomy, we have the introduction of all the major themes in the Bible in Genesis. We have Abraham highlighted. His people multiply, they become a nation of Israel, get pulled out of slavery, they're given the laws of God, then they start learning lessons that we can learn from. Lessons of faith, lessons about rebellion, lessons about trusting the Lord and obeying God. And we learn from their example. The first five books of the Bible, the ones we just talked about, are also called the law in some places. And so um, as you read these laws... As you're in Leviticus or Exodus or Deuteronomy and you read the parts where it's like, Israel, you have to do this and do this and live this way and live that way. Remember, we are not under them. I mean, God has made very clear to us as Christians, this is why you've got to read your New Testament too. We are not under these laws, but we learn from these laws. What do I learn from these laws? Well, I learn principles that I apply. Uh, The law has several purposes for me today. It shows God's righteousness and what his requirement is for salvation. And Jesus fulfilled that. It, makes, it made Israel healthy. Did you know that Israel, when they were obeying the kosher laws that God gave them in the Old Testament, that during the, the, the Black Plague, their infection rates in the plague were dramatically lower than the communities around them. To the point where some people thought, oh, the Jews, they're, they're doing witchcraft or something. And they were just obeying God and his, his ceremonial laws about cleanliness they didn't know that you know they didn't know about microscopic germs, and yet it saved their lives. So God was keeping them healthy and taking care of them. And it also the law it foreshadows Jesus in many many different ways. And as you get into studying it, hopefully you'll you'll like wait a minute that's that's just like a picture of of Jesus and what he did and who he is. It's very exciting. In the remaining historical books of the Old Testament, you'll see that Israel is still the focus. They become a nation. They backslide, they go back to God, they get revivals, they backslide, they go back to God, they get revivals, they backslide, they go back to God, they get, and it's like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. The same thing over and over again. Does it sound familiar? Maybe in your life that's happened once or twice. Well, about a thousand years of Israel's history is covered in these 17 historical books. That's a long time. From 1400 B.C., Right? We have Moses comes out and brings them and they become the children of Israel as a nation until about 400 BC, a little before that, when the last of the books are written. So that's very interesting. Now let me give you guys a timeline. 
a little timeline because I know that I've encountered people who thought, you know, when, when, when they heard Christians discussing, say, Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Jesus, or, you know, in their mind, they were picturing that all these people lived at the same time. And that's an easy mistake to make, right? When I first came to church, I thought the book of Job was the book of Job. And you know how glad I was that I had never said that out loud in the church when I heard someone say Job, and I'm like, Job, why are they saying Job? I thought it was about like careers and how to work and stuff. I did, that's what I thought, right? There's things we take for granted. When I became the youth intern at my church at the age of 18 over in Cyprus, and the pastor came to me and said, Mike, what are you gonna do for Palm Sunday? And I said to the pastor, what's Palm Sunday? And he laughed at me and said, you don't know what Palm Sunday is? And I was like, no, I don't know what Palm Sunday is, I'm sorry. It's like my mantra for years was, I wasn't raised as a Christian, I'm just learning this stuff. I didn't even know the children's songs. So maybe you're, you're in that camp. Well, this is hopefully going to help you. I'll give you a little timeline of just a couple milestone people or events that will um, sort of glue together some of the stuff that you see in the Bible. Okay, so Abraham, that, that really important guy who started the nation of Israel with his, with his, his son Isaac, and then Isaac had a son, Jacob, right? And Jacob, his name got changed to Israel, and that's where the nation got its name from, all of his kids. Okay, Abraham lived 2000 BC. That was 4,000 years ago. That was before Steve. It's a pretty, pretty long time ago. 2000 BC was Abraham. Well, in 1400 BC... You have Moses. So you see that? Just kind of glue that into your brain there. 1400 BC, you have Moses. And then in 1000, and that he, he brings the children of Israel out of Egypt, no longer slaves, they become a nation. In 1000 BC, 3000 years ago, we have King David. King David, I love King David, hoorah. Like I, I love that guy. I've learned, my life has been changed because I read about King David's life and learned stuff from him. King David was 1000 BC. So 2000 BC, Abraham, 1400, Moses, 1000, you've got David. And then the prophets, the Old Testament prophets cover from 800 to 400 BC. So they're all, they all come later. So if you're in any of the prophets, we'll get there in a second, which books those are, you're, you're looking at a time at least 200 years after David. Now the, this, this story that's followed in all of this is, again, it's Jesus's line. It's his um, foreshadowing analogies, the genealogies. You might find the genealogies boring. Um, you're not alone. But even if you see it as boring, can I tell you one thing? The genealogies are leading us to Jesus. It's his family line that we're following. Do you know there isn't a single genealogy after Jesus shows up? It's like the, there's all these genealogies in the Bible. You could tie them all together, and they lead to Jesus and stop. It's like, Done. It's like the microwave is like, ding, done. What we've been cooking this whole time has come. It has, he has arrived. We're done. Now, these books, these historical books, give context to the rest of the Old Testament. The rest of the Old Testament books happen during one of these books or maybe a little bit after one of these books. So here's my recommendation to you. I recommend you read these in order. I don't recommend that for the entire Old Testament, but for these historical books, Genesis through Esther, read it in order. 
That doesn't mean you have to start at Genesis, read through to Esther, but rather if you haven't read Genesis yet, don't start in Esther. I'd recommend you start in Genesis. And I'd recommend you then read your way through historically. Because then when you go to the rest of the Old Testament, you're going to plug it into those stories. And you're going to go, oh, he, he came during the reign of that king. I remember reading about that in 1 Kings. And it's going to click. It's going to make sense. Then after these historical books, we have what we call the poetical books. And there's five of them, five, 17 historical, five poetical. We have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Job is a story that is actually probably the oldest book of the Old Testament from the time of its authorship. We're not really sure exactly when it came from. It may have been from the time of Abraham. But that's not too important. What really matters is Job is a story that is a major spiritual, one major spiritual truth that you should learn from Job that all of us desperately need. And that is to trust God in trials. That's the point of the book of Job. Not how great it'll be in the end, although it is great in the end for him. The point is, trust God in trials. Psalms, the next poetic book, is is basically it's sung prayer. It's it's worship songs, like what we do for service. And um, they're basically prayers in the form of song. And they're going to be very poetic, and you should read them, and and they just nourish your soul, man. Poetry's good. Poetry speaks to us, and God has a whole book of it, 150 poems for you. Now, they don't rhyme like they would if they were written, if we were reading them in Hebrew, well, they still wouldn't rhyme for the most part, but it would be a little bit better to read them in the original language, but raise your hand if you know Hebrew. Uh, I was hoping somebody did, I don't know it either. <laughs> I know the alphabet. Anyway, well, that's about it. <clears throat> yeah, I know like five Hebrew words, and that makes me a genius, you know, to most, uh, to most people who don't know that I only know five Hebrew words. Well, then after you have the book of Psalms, which is like, I mean, I don't know, it's the book of the Bible for our hearts, and there's so much there, so much there, prophecies of Christ too. Then you have the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, which is so cool. God thought wisdom was so important for our lives, he wrote an entire book about it. Proverbs is that one book of the Bible, kind of along with Psalms, that you could really just dip into and just read a small portion and just be really blessed, and you can understand it. You don't have to study it from beginning to end. You could, you could even bounce around in Proverbs, and you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Ecclesiastes exposes the pointlessness of ignoring God and actually is probably the most sarcastic book of the Bible. And you need to read it with that in mind. Ecclesiastes, I'd say, if you're reading Ecclesiastes and having trouble, skip to the last chapter, read that chapter, and have that in your mind as you read the rest of it. It'll make more sense. But it's a poetic book, so you need to, you need to read it with some thoughtfulness as to what is he saying here, what's the point? but it exposes the pointlessness of ignoring God and the vanity of life without God. Then Song of Solomon is the romance book of the Bible. Are you ready to fall in love? Song of Solomon is actually about about a, a, a man and a woman and their love for each other, and it pictures God and his love for us and what he's done for us. And there's some really cool uh, Jesus things in, the, in, the, in Song of Solomon. But you won't find them until you read Song of Solomon, and read the New Testament, then they'll start jumping out to you. (coughs) Then you get to the third and final section of the Old Testament, the prophetic books. Isaiah through Malachi. Malachi, some of you might be thinking, right? Isaiah through Malachi, 17 books. So we have 17 historical, 5 poetical, and 17 prophetic, or prophetical, if I just want to make them all in with all. 
Isaiah through Malachi, 17 books. These are probably, and let me just encourage everybody here, the most difficult books of the Bible to understand. Not to say that they can't be understood. I'm not saying that at all. But they're probably the most difficult. I know for me and my years of spending a lot of time reading and studying the Bible, these are the books that I find hardest and I need the most help with. The reason is that it's prophetic, which means it speaks of future events. And for the most part, these, are, these books are named after the prophet, like say Isaiah is named after the guy Isaiah, and these are the things God gave him to prophesy to Israel and some other nations as well. But when he says like, hey Babylon, this is going to happen to you, and now I'm reading it, you know, 2,600 years later, and I'm going, okay, did that already happen or is it going to happen? I don't really know a lot about Babylon, Right, And so you need really you need some help. So my encouragement to you is get a good study Bible. We have stuff in the Java Oasis, which will be open Sunday. Get a study Bible and, and, and take these uh, prophetic books when you're ready for them um, slowly and carefully. And don't get discouraged by that. It, it is challenging for everybody, I think, the prophetic books. In fact, I would say don't start in the, prof, in the prophetic books. Like, man, I don't know anything about the Bible, but I really want to study it. I'm going to dig into Ezekiel. Be like, well, I don't recommend it. I really don't. I'd say, how about you start with Jesus? Because I think we should firmly put, or put our feet planted in Jesus Christ and then look at the rest of the Bible through, through him. Since he's the, main, he's the main subject. He's the main character. Now, the prophetic books are all couched in the events of the historical books. Because a person would be called by God to go and share a special message during the stuff that happened during the, the uh, historical books. So I, again, I recommend reading them first and then the prophetic books start to make more sense. So I have some advice for you. How do you read the Old Testament historical books? Um, my first thought is this. If you're going to read the historical books of the Old Testament, don't read them straight through unless you have amazing self-control. If you turn the channel during a commercial and then forget what show you were watching you probably shouldn't try to read the Bible straight through. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people have started reading the Bible and then they hit the first genealogy and quit. Which is chapter five. <laughs> and, and to be honest, I don't think the Bible was designed to be read straight through all the way from Genesis to Revelation. God didn't design it that way. You're thinking it's one book, but it's 66 different books. And there's two Testaments, new and old, and you give it a little more thought than that. If the genealogies get you down, skip them or skim them. Come back later when you feel like you have more biblical knowledge and you start recognizing the names. And, it's, and rather than looking at somebody else's family photos, it starts feeling like looking at your own. In the people of the historical books of the Bible, I see, of the Old Testament, I see examples that are bad and examples that are good. I know me, I learned submission from David. I never would have learned it any other way. In the law, I see that there's civil laws, ceremonial laws, moral laws, and you just, you just read it knowing I'm reading the laws of Israel. I don't do this, right? I learn what it says, analyze what it means, and learn principles from it and do those things. And then uh, there's more, but let's move to the New Testament, shall we? In the New Testament, that's the 49 books of the Old Testament. Well, the New Testament has 27 and there are five historical books in the New Testament. It starts with the historical. And you guys know these probably, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. 
the fi- these five historical books that start with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, well, Gospel means good news. And they're all the same story told from four different perspectives. They're named after their authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are people who walk with Jesus. They saw him live. They interviewed the people that he was alive with. They discussed him. They knew his story, and they wrote it down for us. And so we, we have the story of Jesus four different times. In Matthew, he kind of writes towards the Jews. And if you know the Old Testament pretty well, you'll love Matthew because he keeps referring to all this Old Testament prophecy about Christ. In Mark, it's like the action gospel. It's the shortest, and he just kind of is focused on, let me just get the gospel out. Let me get the main message, the main good news that Jesus came. He lived perfectly. He died on the cross. He rose again. And he just, he just gets straight to the point. So if you, uh, if, you're, if you have ADD, if you stopped listening to me when I said, let's pray then you should read Mark. Um, Luke, he, t- he emphasizes Jesus as a human. He was a physician. He's got a lot of details. He interviewed a lot of eyewitnesses. And John, he really emphasizes Jesus that he is God in the flesh and uh, has a lot of exclusive stories. Matthew, Mark, and Luke share a lot of stories in common. John has a lot of his own stuff that isn't really, I mean, it all happened, but it's not the same stories that you see in the other three gospels. He's got a lot of unique stuff, so... So, like, if you wanted to get a good rounded thing, I'd say read, like, Mark and then read John. You know, read one of the three, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and then read John, and you've got, like, a whole lot of information about Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, after Jesus died and rose again, it started a new thing, a new way of living for people's lives. You see, the whole law, the whole law and prophets and all that stuff in the Old Testament was just to get you to Jesus. It was just to show you, and here's Jesus, and now we don't need to obey all of these Old Testament laws because there's a new way of living, which is to walk in the Holy Spirit. So what we see in the book of Acts, the next historical book in the New Testament, is we see the first 15 years of the early church. We see what it's like to live now as a Christian after Christ has come, not under the law of the Old Testament. So now we see examples that are really very direct and very much do this, just do this. And then we see uh, the gospel goes from Peter, um, Peter carrying the gospel to the Jews, and then in Acts we see Paul becomes kind of the, the, the main subject, the main character they're following around, and he's carrying the gospel to the Gentiles. And then we, uh, we, we walk through Acts, and we just see the gospel go from Jerusalem to Judea, which is like that whole region, you know, and then eventually out into the outer parts of the earth, just spreading all over the place like wildfire, like wildfire. People getting saved. It's not just Jews anymore. It's just anybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and it's, it's a glorious and wonderful thing. We live now under the same orders and commands and, and uh, instructions for life that the apostles did in the book of Acts. So this is really, really good stuff. Really good stuff for us to read. Now, this transition from Old Testament living to New Testament living had a lot of people scratching their head and going, wait, so wait, wait, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I have to wash my hands before I eat that certain way still or what? Like, what do I, what do I have to do? What exactly is the gospel message? Just, I want to get it really clear. Um, wait, wait, how are we supposed to conduct our services? Do people have to get circumcised to, be, to become Christians? Like, what are the, how does this work? Basically, people were going, now what? And guess what? The next part of the Bible, the New Testament, is for that. It's called the epistles. I'm sorry, 
this is a new word for a lot of people, right? But epistle just means letter. So it's called the letters. And that's what it is. It's a group of letters written, personal letters written from the apostles mostly, right? From apostles to either a church in this area or an individual over here. And the letters are basically instructions on how to live the Christian life, what we believe and how we live. I love the epistles. I could spend all day in the epistles. I just, I could teach epistles just all the time. Um, they're beautiful. They're wonderful. They, they transform your life. Um, and I'll, I'll go over a few of them. The first epistle that you have after the book of Acts, you have this letter. It's a teaching thing. It's a teaching format, just instructions, kind of like what I'm doing for you. I'm just giving you instructions. Romans is the first epistle, and that lays out our theology, that it brings together everything that's come before from the Old Testament and says, here's what we believe. Here's the, here's the full thing that God has revealed to us. Meaning this, that if you don't read... If you read from Genesis slowly through and finally you get to Romans and now you're finally, depending on how long it takes you to read, you're finally getting the culmination of everything that's happened. Now that here you are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans, you better be a very patient person. So I recommend, how about you put your finger in the Old Testament, read Genesis, and put your finger in the New Testament and, and read you know, one of the Gospels and then make your way through Acts into Romans if you haven't done that before. 1 Corinthians is about how we are to live in holiness and in unity. That's the next epistle. Second Corinthians is really about servanthood. Probably the most glorious teaching about servanthood in the Bible is in Second Corinthians. Galatians is about how we're saved by grace and how we've always been saved by grace, how we are no longer under the law to explain this difference between the Old and New Testament living. Well, that's Galatians. You see how there's, there's really things to learn here. It's not just taking one scripture out and sort of like learning it and then quoting it, but rather it's studying and learning the word of God to equip you for your daily life and for your eternal life. And you, it, the Bible goes on. There's um, pastoral epistles that are written to leadership. That's First and Second Timothy and Titus. Um, Philemon, which is actually kind of the anti-slavery book of the Bible. Philemon, you should check it out. Then you have James, Peter, uh, his books, he wrote two letters. Uh, John, he wrote three epistles and Jude. And, <coughs> excuse me, most of these were written to the church in general. James is like the kick in the pants for that Christian who, who takes grace uh, for, for, for granted and isn't really living to follow Jesus, but just like, well, God, God forgives me. He's like, get out there and serve. That's the idea of James. Awesome book. Um, the other... First and second Peter, John's epistles, Jude, these are a lot of warnings about false teaching, which there will be a lot of and is a lot of nowadays. Then we come to Revelation. Revelation is the only prophetic book of the New Testament. The Old Testament has 17 prophetic books. The New has one. Because we're really only waiting for one more thing to happen. Jesus to come back. And Revelation is the book that everybody wants to run to and study. But Revelation is the culmination of the rest of the Bible, so it takes some effort to really understand it. Revelation is a glimpse of what's to come, both the judgment that's coming and finally the recreation, and you actually get to see a description of the future heaven that we will all inhabit in Christ. Very exciting stuff. Well, here's what I want to give you guys. is Just in, in closing, a few tips on how to actually read the Bible. I'd say read the Bible very patiently. Never read a verse by itself. Read a passage, read a book. 
I mean, think about this. What if you picked up The Hobbit and you decided to read it the way that maybe you, re- you read the Bible the first time, which was you open it up, you flip to a random page, you look at a random sentence and you read it, right? And then they said, the eagles are coming. And then you flip over to another random section and you read that. I found this ring. And then you flip over to, and you'll, you will, not only will you never understand the story of The Hobbit now, bummer, by the way, but you will probably have a lot of wrong ideas about what actually happens in the book because you're just guessing at the meaning of things. But yet people will open the Bible thinking they're going to, I'm going to understand this book. I'm going to read a random verse here. Let's see. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, no, that takes too long. Uh, so what happened when Jerob, Jerobo, Jerob, I don't, can't pronounce his name, so I'll just go over here to the, see, New Testament's better. Gird up the loins of your mind. Ew, I don't know what that means. You can't read the Bible that way and come to an understanding of what God intends for you. Now, it's possible that God is like so gracious that you've done that and he's like, and he's done it for me. He's like, here's the verse you need. But if you try to live that way in your Christian life, I think he'll stop doing it if he hasn't already. And you're just like, oh man, this ain't working anymore. What do I have to do to make this thing work? (laughs) Rather, um, pick a book Read that book from beginning to end, right? Just, you know, put your bookmark in there wherever you stop and pick it up the next time and read it beginning to end and then pick another book and read it and then pick another book and read it and pick another book and read it. You don't, I don't think you should read Genesis to Revelation in case I haven't made that clear. I don't think God intended it that way for us. Read it plainly also. Read it like a newspaper. I mean, if it's obvious if it's poetry, symbolism, analogy, teaching, sarcasm, or just... Uh, history or whatever, it's obvious as you read it just plainly. And seek to understand the Bible. And I would say this, get a study Bible. Get a study Bible if you don't have one. It has these great introductions to each book to kind of get you on the right page as you're heading into that book. Has helps in the difficult passages. And the most important Bible resource I ever had as I first started reading the Bible, a dictionary. And the patience to stop my reading and go look that word up in the dictionary because there's so much vocabulary we don't typically use that you will find in the scriptures. And I don't really want to dumb it down. I want to bring myself up to where it is. So please get a dictionary and make an effort to truly understand what the passage is saying. And here's my encouragement too. If you don't, don't sweat it. Just make the effort and then move on. There are many passages of the Bible I don't understand even now. I once was teaching through Hebrews and hit a passage that I was like, I I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours studying. I don't understand this. I don't know how to teach it. And I was like, Pastor, hey, Pastor Gary, want to be a guest teacher? Here's your passage. And I totally brought Pastor Gary in as like my pinch hitter. Can you just teach this? Because I really can't figure out what it means. Yeah, it's okay. Just chillax already. It's all right. If you don't understand it, the big thing is don't allow that to discourage you. Continue reading and go, I'm going to store this up and it'll sit there and mull around and maybe one day I'll come back and it'll be like, click. I get it now. And how many of you guys have had that happen to you? Yeah, over and over again. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It takes years of Bible study to really get to know the Bible completely. I'm still working on it, but I have really good news, really good news. And I want to end on this. God made the most important truths the easiest to get that's cool. He made the most important truths the easiest ones to get as you study the Bible carefully. So just dig in, dig in, and grow and be blessed in this life and the next. Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you so much for your holy word. I mean, it is the one thing in this earth that we have that is totally and completely and utterly from you, that is, that is authoritative, that is truth. And you say in the scriptures that it is by the scriptures that you will mature us and you will cause us to grow and you will cause us to know Jesus better, that you will cause us to be armed against the lies of the enemy and the temptations of the flesh. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you so much that this, this scripture, it is, a, it is the sword of the spirit, it is the word of God, it is the most precious thing we possess on earth next to salvation. We ask, Lord, that you would help us be good stewards of your word. Help us to, with patience, open the scriptures and study and learn and, and embark on a lifetime of learning the scriptures. And may we be pleasing to you in this life and prepared, Lord, for the next. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. So my encouragement to you is if you have not got a daily, daily Bible reading routine to begin doing that, to begin doing that and, uh, and watch the blessings. I mean, God has promised the blessings upon us for doing it. And man, you will be able to lead others to the truth of God. And that's exciting. Just because you stored up that scripture that you didn't even know what to do with at the time. And the Holy Spirit brings it back at that moment. You get to share it with somebody and minister to them. And that is, that is awesome. I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and thanks for thinking biblically with me. Next time on Bible Thinker, we'll dig much deeper into the topic of the Old Testament law. Much of the Bible is actually part of the Old Testament law, and understanding a lot of the rest of the Bible depends on how well you understand the Old Testament law. It also gives us a great answer to skeptics' attacks and questions about the Bible, often misconstruing the Old Testament law to make God look evil. So uh, we'll jump into that next time. And until then, don't forget to check the context.